Hello, Leah Wagner. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> I was thinking this morning, I would not have a podcast if it weren't for Leah Wagner. <laughs> yeah. How come? Well, because I wouldn't know Marianne if it weren't for Leah Wagner. Oh. You know why? Well, because well, I, I wouldn't know Vaughn Jenkins, it, who is your okay. mother-in-law, if I didn't know Leah Wagner. I love it. And I know Vaughn Jenkins because you said, hey, let's, I've got a friend, Vaughn Jenkins, you know, and she has a house and we ended up having church there for a long time and um, it was very special and you have made a huge difference in so many lives oh it's amazing yeah you I mean I was just really thinking that this morning like you were bold and Vaughn tells the story or you tell the story I don't know who you know taking her by the shoulders and I guess you called her Miss Jenkins at the time (laughs) maybe probably yeah yeah and I wouldn't know Vaughn if it weren't for Paige her daughter because right that's how we met Grace Mm -hmm. we met Grace together Mm -hmm. Paige and me you were just fun you just took Vaughn by the shoulders and kind of, you need to read this book, you know, which was Destined to Rain. And, uh, you know, it what was an awesome book. Yeah. So thankful. Special. Love it. Yeah, it was one of my first. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I still think I haven't read that book, even though I have it and I've mm-hmm. given it to people, but I have a few, read a few chapters of it. Yeah. So, um, Kind of crazy. I'm not much of a reader, except I mean, I read a lot of scripture. Just I do ingest a lot of scripture, but um, I have a hard time reading books, just because I I, I want to like skip around. <laughs> it's the yeah. way my brain works. I like you know want to go to the last sentence of the paragraph or the end of the chapter, or my brain just jumps around. I'm very impatient. I yeah. think. Well, I mean, we have the power and energy to do the things we need to do, so I think that's how you should read. Yeah. <laughs> or don't. I think it's great. I support that. Well, speaking of, um, Leah, you homeschool your kids. Yes. So you're a teacher. Yes, I'm a teacher. So just tell us a little bit about you, your family. Mm-hmm. So I have three children. I've been married 23 or 24 years. Married my high school sweetheart, Clint. We could probably figure out how many years it is by... Subtracting. We could do the math, but I'd rather not. <laughs> so, Clint is awesome, and my children are amazing, and they are some of my very best friends, and I'm yeah. just amazed by them, mm-hmm. and amazed by my relationship with Jesus and what he's done in our family. It's very humbling and incredible. Undeserved, unmerited favor. So, yeah, we decided to homeschool years ago, and it's been awesome. The kids have gone to all kinds of schools, public schools and private schools, and um, I love I love the path that the Lord has put us on, and He's taken the reins, and it's been beautiful beyond what we could ask or imagine, and it's so rewarding. So now I have a ninth grade son who is thriving, so proud of Carter, and Reagan and Hope are in college and knock my socks off every day as I learn from them, and they are also thriving, so thank you, mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I know Reagan and Hope really well. Mm-hmm. They are dear friends of mine. Mm-hmm. They love you so much. Yeah, yeah. I'd love for y'all to spend more time together too. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Lord will set that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Carter too, with time. Yeah, yes, he's quite the young man. So. 
tall, getting tall. All of a sudden, that's brand new. He's thrilled. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Just within the last few months, he's <laughs> had a deep desire, of course, to sprout up. And yeah. it's really happening, and it's cute, handsome, yeah. strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, you want to share something of your Jesus story? Mm-hmm. I'd love to. So I remember a feeling in my 20s of hopelessness and helplessness and darkness. I was burned out and working too much and unfulfilled in every way. And I was so sad. And I felt like I was caught in a briar patch. I just remember feeling like the walls were caving in and I wanted out, but I didn't know that I deserved to be let out. But I was sitting in my car in my house on Broadway in Homewood, mm-hmm. and I was in a business suit at the end of a business day, and my kids were inside. They were little. And somebody was taking care of them, Nancy, and teaching them. And I was so grateful, but I was just helpless and crying in the car. And I remember reaching out to a friend. I called Luann Sanders. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I did because she spoke the gospel to me and set me free. I just told her a few things that I felt unspeakable, and it was probably just the tip of the iceberg. I didn't tell her all the secrets that were going through my mind, but she responded, and all I heard was God's voice. I don't know exactly what she said, but what I heard in my spirit was, God is not angry at you. He is not holding your sins against you. You did not commit the unpardonable sin because you believe. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's what set me free. And so in that moment, the briars released. There was a supernatural experience where the briars released and the darkness left my car. It was daylight. It wasn't dark, but the darkness left. And so that was the beginning of when I met grace, Jesus as a person, grace, you know, Jesus is grace. Yes. And, of course, the journey continues, and I continue to experience every day more of the power and the love and the free-flowing spirit and the adventure, the great adventure. So that's a little of my great story. Yeah. The beginning, at least. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that really dovetails with what has been on my mind. I, I sent you all just... A word from a few days ago. It really was this past week. Um, Guilty conscience. Mm -hmm. You mentioning the unpardonable sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is more common than you think. Mm -hmm. That people think, you know, I remember years ago, a dear friend of ours, um, and she was... I think in her yeah in her mid twenties at the time, came just found me online, and then saw that I was in Birmingham, and just emailed through the website. It was called Unveiling Jesus, I think, at the time UnveilingJesus dot com, because I didn't have Parisia the name that was given to me in the middle of the night, one night, uh, probably about six five or six years ago. But uh, anyway, she found me through the website after reading a blog about forgiveness. And she 
emailed me and I and I guess she said I just saw that you're in Birmingham would you meet with me and I, I said of course you know and so she came to my house and I, I'll just never forget how tormented she was mm-hmm. and how I felt so honored to be able to give her the good news. Mm-hmm. She felt she had committed the unpardonable mm-hmm. sin. And I was able to to show her that that was a lie. It radically changed her life. In a moment. Yes. And yes. just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the word the Lord spoke on the way here to me today was, the gift of no condemnation is what mm-hmm. sets people free. Yeah. So, yeah, it's true. Yes. Yeah, it's very common. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would venture to say every everyone struggles with condemnation. Yeah. Yes. Everyone at different times. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to be separate. I will say in my own personal grace story, there were moments where I really feel like the Lord, before I had a real revelation of grace, kind of showed me pictures of grace, but I didn't put the pieces the pieces didn't come together until years later, mm-hmm. but one was I rem- vividly remember it. It was two thousand December two thousand and seven, and I got to a point, and I thought that I had committed the unpardonable sin, mm-hmm. and I got to a point I was so frustrated with life and with the Lord, and I got to a point I just said I hate you and I don't want any part of this, mm-hmm. and in a moment's notice I had never felt more loved. Wow! After those words left my mouth, than any other time to that point. I just immediately knew, because I was like, I'm going to say this, because this is how I'm feeling, and I'm done. I don't want to feel like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I said it, and I just was immediately, instead of overcome with shame or condemnation, I was immediately overcome with so much love for me right there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I knew that the Lord was with me in that moment. Yeah. And so from that place forward, I thought, okay, I can't really – He's in this with me. We're in this together. It wasn't until later I had more of a revelation of the finished work of the cross and what it means to be united with Jesus. But I know in that moment was one of those dots. It's kind of like a connect the dots. Mm -hmm. And I had a moment where I had a dot. And in that moment, it was an amazing experience. It didn't really mean a lot to me until later on when the dots were all connected and I could see the picture of the finished work of the cross. But... I always say one of the best things I ever did was get angry at God because I only felt love from that point forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on my mind is um, in Psalms, deep, crusted, deep. This is, I guess, maybe a paraphrase of my own. Deep, crusted, deep as the waterfalls rush over us. And so the Lord is continuing to teach me when we cry out from the depths of our heart to the depths of his heart and yes. honesty and truth and in emotions. Yeah. We experience the waterfall of grace, and then we travel in the spring, the river mm-hmm. of life, yes. or life of every kind flows. It's the only yes. way. It's the only way. We need friends to talk to, but he is the friend that sticks closer Amen. than a brother. Amen. So he yeah. is our he first can line. Handle, like you said, what you'd said to a friend was only the tip of the iceberg of what you were really feeling. Yeah. But he can handle those deep and dark thoughts. Yeah. So now I have no problem bringing those deep and dark mm-hmm. thoughts and there are times when those deep and dark thoughts come, but I can take them to the Lord and I don't have to hide them from him. Mm-hmm. I can just openly share them mm-hmm. and he's not afraid of those in me. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how you overcome is because you're met, like you said, not with condemnation. You're met with goodness and every kindness time. and gentleness every single time. So then it becomes, you know, 
you overcome that because you are met with such goodness and kindness and gentleness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It changes everything. Grace it changes does. everything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It does. And, you know, for anybody that might think they have committed the unpardonable sin, um, I can guarantee that they haven't because right. otherwise they wouldn't be concerned right. about right. committing it. Right. You know, so um, we found, you know, each other to confirm and to just, you know, we say over and over and over, Leah, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and nothing you could ever do would change that. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Just a few days ago, I was with a friend, and like your friend, and we were talking, and I'm like a broken record with her because that's what that means for is I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And so I said to this friend, you know, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And she just kind of stared at me a little blankly because it's like, wah, wah, wah. You say this all the time. And then I went on to tell her, you have not committed the unpardonable sin because you believe. It's just your belief in Jesus. That's what puts you in union with him, and he is pleased with you, and he loves you. And the tears sprang in her eyes. And I could see there was real receipt. And all of a sudden, revelation of understanding, oh, righteousness, right standing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing I do or have done. It's the good news. Which goes right into union. Yeah. When you understand that you truly are united mm-hmm. and that two have become one, mm-hmm. and you can't split the one yeah. apart. It's a chemical reaction. It is a we are new. It is, we are <laughs> completely new. Yeah. So, That's um, a scandal. You can't, as somebody said the other day, you can't be rebirthed. You cannot go back to your mother and say, will you birth me again? That right. you just can't. So once I have been reborn, right. that experience there stands. I can't get a new birthday. No. That that was a one moment in time experience and now I I can't that's one of the things in life I cannot redo. Yeah. yeah. And being united with Christ is something I cannot redo. It cannot be right. redone. It is right. it is done. It, it is, is it is finished. Righteousness. <laughs> yes. Truth is better than fiction. I mean Hollywood's filled with all these stories of, you know, transformers and Star Trek and all that's good and it's entertaining. It's fine, but way more. How much more we've yeah, been made I new know. and transformed? Right. I mean, it's just a shadow of, yeah. of the gospel, the good within yes. it. It's just a shadow of the gospel because we've been made into a totally new creation. As He is, so are we in this world. Yes, and truth is better than fiction. It's the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, about a week ago, was uh, I woke up with. The, the feeling of those who need relief mm-hmm. from the guilty conscience. And I was thinking about what does the guilty conscience produce? Um, well, you know, Paul called the law the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. Um, so the law says that no one is worthy, that there's nothing Nothing you can do to make yourself right. And you were talking about transformers. Mm-hmm. Isn't it in our world today such a focus on the outside and trying to be, a, you know, change the flesh, to, this identity crisis that people are having? Like, mm-hmm. who am I? You know, instead of going deep inside to the core, they. They think they can change it on the outside, mm. you know. 
and to try to alleviate pain, alleviate guilt, alleviate wounds, mm-hmm. somehow to cover it, to fix it. And um, But I really think it stems from condemnation and shame. And it just produces a guilty conscience. Um, you know, I'm just putting this yeah. two and two together real quick. But I've never really thought about it. People changing identity and all that stuff mm-hmm. is really trying in the flesh, attempting to become a new creation. Mm-hmm. Agreed, it's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. Mm-hmm. But I had I had known that it was stemmed from an identity crisis and not knowing who they were in Jesus and not being rooted and grounded in Jesus. And there's no the key word is ident- identify this, identify as that. Yeah. But it's identity, that they don't have an identity in, rooted in Jesus. But I had never really thought about the fact that it was an attempt to make, man-made attempt to make a new creation. I think you are on to something there. That is what um, humanity wants. That's how God created us to be, right? To desire him, to desire... Yes reconciliation with him and that making me think of something I'm not an expert on but I have a lot of red flags about and that is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and you know I'll see headlines of articles and a lot of times I don't go deep into this topic because it's kind of terrifying to tell you the truth but I looked at one of them and I read this this article, and, and it said, you can put on these goggles, and you can literally experience having a baby. Like, you can experience being pregnant and having a baby. Another one said, you can put these goggles on, and and the, and the guy telling about it, he was an atheist, but he was like, you know, Christians think that you can have this spiritual experience, so... We can literally recreate that with AI. We, we can put you in a simulator, simulator and simulate a spiritual experience. And what this guy thinks is that it's just an emotional response to something. And then um, another was one of these says, you can um, be on vacation. You can be out on the beach and experience the smells and the and the waves and you really don't even need to own anything you don't need to have a job you don't need all you need is this experience and it won't work yeah <laughs> it won't work yeah. yeah another thing on my mind so much is face to the face to face encounter i mean mm-hmm. counterfeit it that all that is going to grow right. which is fine and reveal even more the real, and there'll be such a mighty pushback from counterfeit experiences. I mean, we just repel I from think, that and I look for face-to-face can, communication yeah, and think, experiences. I agree completely. In Christ. And I think anybody at different times you've been in some type of simulation, whether that's it's school and you're doing some type of business simulation. I'm thinking yes. back when I was a senior in college and you had the big class for mm-hmm. to graduate business school was – a team thing and you had this simulation that you had to run all semester and um that was so in a vacuum yes that it didn't no. 
We run. We run from vacuums and because it's control. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. it's, it's, and it's, it's the ministry of condemnation because it's controlling. Yes. Yes, it doesn't work. It, doesn't, it won't work. It, 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 sometimes the simulator's not bad to give you some practice on what you're looking. Sure. Yeah. But there's a difference between standing in front of a screen and hitting a golf ball right. and standing in, on an 18th green at an amazing golf course and putting like right. those are just yeah. two different yeah. experiences yes if anything know. we're going to believe it excites the desire for authentic just, and the real so yeah you, i keep the, you know we keeps coming to mind taste and see that the taste lord and is see good. that the lord is good You're yes just, you have yes. to experience yes this uh i watched this podcast by somebody um that you know i i would agree with him on several cultural things and just sort of common sense things um but not not spiritually, mm-hmm. okay, so, you know, but somebody had suggested I, I listen to this podcast, and, um, but when he was talking about AI, and he was a professor, and he, and he, he's just really an expert in this whole thing, he said, um, kids today, can, you know, they can go all the way through without ever having face-to-face, they, they can do their whole education on a computer, mm. and, the internet has no values. It has no basis of truth. And so you can tell the internet anything. You can say, I mean, I could say I'm a man, mm-hmm. and the internet would not push back, yes. right? And it would take, could take me down, you know, a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're sitting in front of a person, and if I were to say, I'm a man, <laughs> hopefully, Leah, you would tell me I was crazy, but um, but you get pushback, right, when things aren't true. Yeah, verbal cues, eye cues, conversation, yes. questions, mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. or the opposite, and you respond. But if you just are trying to remake yourself mm-hmm. into something that you will alleviate tension, alleviate depression, alleviate anxiety, you don't know why. Yeah. Why am I feeling this way? Well, I do know why. I do know why. And it's it's because you you haven't gotten to the heart of what the issue is, which is condemnation and shame, right? Yeah. Of course, it's taking me back to my story. I, mean, I just remember seeking validation in all the wrong places and trying to become things that weren't me. And all that created a cycle of disaster. Which ultimately led me to the end of myself, which is great because I looked up and I saw Jesus and I experienced freedom mm-hmm. from condemnation and from the pressure to perform. Yeah. And so yeah, that's everybody's story. So it's maybe not a bad thing to get to the end of yourself, right? Yeah. For me, no. I mean, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I allowed myself to crash and burn and yeah. I listened to the Lord to call a good friend instead of a friend that would continue to perpetuate the cycle because I've done both. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's good. It's good news. Well, I'll tell you what, when uh, people who are struggling with an identity crisis have good friends around them and good family members around them to not buckle under the pressure of the world right now uh, and not enable lie, uh, those of us who continue to speak truth are going to be the ones mm-hmm. that uh, when – when that identity crisis comes to a head, mm-hmm. um, they'll go back to the ones who told them the truth. Yes. 
That's why it's so funny. I was thinking about Stephen Curtis Chapman's old song, The Great Adventure, where we can trust our instincts in Christ and flow effortlessly and call the people on our mind and rest when we have no energy and act when we have energy and write the things we desire to write and read or don't read. <laughs> um Eat well, exercise, you know, do the things that our spirit's prompting us to do, and it produces fruit beyond what we could ask or imagine. Mm-hmm. A wise friend, Trisha, you once told Stephanie and me, rest close to your tree. Just rest close to your tree. My tree is Jesus, my home, take care of my family, invest in the most important things. Right. And um, that, was, that was definitely from the spirit. My family, I'm so glad he taught me that through you. Thank you. Well, I'm looking at two ladies who do that. Mm-hmm. You you put your family first, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's and fine. you don't feel the pressures from the outside to put anything else first. You you know. I used to feel all that pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> until I got set free. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't feel the pressure. Yeah. Well, let me let me go back to this whole guilty conscience thing and just see what I wrote the other day um, about what a guilty conscience, why we have it, and what it causes. I wrote a guilty, and this was just a free flow, you know. It just, I just started typing. A guilty conscience comes when we do not believe that the blood of Jesus has washed away our sins. A guilty conscience will cause us to believe things about ourselves and about God that are not true. A guilty conscience will torment us and bring fear, even if it's under the surface in our subconscious. When we live life with a guilty conscience, our emotions are never quite right. Relief is attempted through dead works to atone for it. More sin to bring pleasure and mask it or agreement with deceived enablers who convince us that the sin is not really sin, calling good evil and evil good. Now, I know this flow of ideas was really kind of where I've been a lot lately, which is grace is not saying that sin is okay. Right? Right. Grace transforms you into a new creation with a, without a sin nature. So you're set free from the nature of sin. So you're not free to sin, you're free from sin. Mm-hmm. So, we, so it, what's really been on my heart is, wow, you know, I don't think we've done this, but I don't want to be misunderstood about this because... When you look at Jesus on the cross, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, he became sin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So we can't skip over that right. and just get to the, quote, grace part. Mm-hmm. Because a lie is a lie that sin doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the verb sin and the noun sin both matter. First the noun sin and then the verb sin is... It's taken care of the more you know who you are, who you, your, what your identity is. Okay, if sin is not sin, then why is there still the guilty conscience? A guilty conscience causes anxiety, depression, 
anger, fear, hopelessness, but often the dots don't connect directly to the sin or the misplaced identity of sinner. We don't know why our our emotions are messed up, and we don't realize it's because of a guilty conscience. So I I think what what I was thinking there is that you don't you you don't even realize there is there is something that you're trying to atone for. I mean, I know this from my own experience, and I can remember years ago when I was teaching, leading a humongo ministry deliverance ministry, and I was tormented with guilt. And really, it you know, it was sins from years ago. And I'm I'm trying to lead deliverance. And so what my thoughts were at the time, my perspective was, it's a demon. So, we're, you know, and I talked about hooks and things like that. You know, remove the demon, remove the hook, and um, then confess your sin, then ask for forgiveness, and just go through that, it's, you know, and I literally wrote in the curriculum, I, I, you know, how many ever times you need to do it, do it. Right. <laughs> but it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. I didn't realize I'd already been forgiven. Yes. I didn't realize. You were free because of Jesus. That's right. You just didn't know it. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm just the poster child, but just that moment when Jesus opened my eyes to who I was. Yes, in him, that I was perfect and blameless and holy. Oh, I'll never forget it. And all those years, uh, I remember thinking, what do I do with all this stuff I've told people? Yeah. You just what? keep going. Don't yeah. you? Just you just keep, keep, and keep moving walk, on. We walk in the light that we know, yeah. right? And we speak yes. the truth in grace. And we just keep our eyes on Jesus. And we keep going. Yeah. And we live the great adventure. And we are. Well, and what was funny is I was like, Lord, do I need to rewrite all this stuff that people are still using? And um, and he's like, don't worry about that right now. I had no idea what was ahead of me, but I was like, okay, well, I won't worry about that right now. You know, so everything I did from that point on, though, was, I mean, I can look back, you know, what I wrote as far as like conference teachings and that kind of thing. I, I would teach the same thing today. Like, it came so clear as a bell, so thorough. And I remember one time in that season being asked by somebody um, to uh, meet on a regular basis with their college-age daughter and um, because this parent thought that the daughter was demon-possessed and said, you, you, because you're the deliverance minister, you're the, you're the only— Literally, this person said, you are the only person that can help her. And I looked at the person and I said, oh, no, it's not a demon. Mm-hmm. I said, she's just under condemnation. And they're like, no, just do the deliverance ministry on them. And, and so I met with this college-age girl every week, but I took my old stuff that I'd written, and she had done this Bible study. The, the um, parent asked me, take her through that Bible study again. I was like, all right, I'll do it, you know. So I thought, Lord, what do I do? And because uh, I, I knew there was law in there, if you want to put it that way. There was legalism. There was, um, 
you know, the mystery of death kind of woven in there. And so this idea came to me, give her a leader's guide. We're not going to fill in all these blanks again. Just give her the leader's guide with the, with the answers in it. And every week I, I want you, I, this is just what I felt like the Spirit said, I want you to go through the curriculum and just say, I, I want you to write in the margin, there was a wide notes margin, I want you to write in the margin, where does this make you feel condemned? Wow. <laughs> like my own yeah. writing. Yeah. So I was like, where does this make what you feel like exercise. you're not yes. loved? You know, and so every week we would just talk through that. We would read what was in the curriculum. And I was like, this is what is being taught these days. You know, uh, I taught it myself, but where does this not line up with grace? And so it, it was a it was a fun exercise. How fun spot the lie. Mm-hmm. Where's the lie, Lord? Yeah. Help us to yes. see. Yes. Yeah, where do we feel condemned? Help us to see. Yes. Because really, come and see. even in the smallest of instances, when you feel condemned or guilty or shame, you're really looking at the cross and going, that was not sufficient to pay for my guilt, my sin, my shame. Yeah. And I'm going to take on this burden myself. Even just the smallest little things of um, just, I did this for this child of mine, but I didn't do this mm-hmm. for this child of mine. Well, I don't mm-hmm. have to feel guilty about that I haven't done I took this child to do an experience. I haven't done this with the other child. Okay. Yeah. I'll yeah, do okay. something else and I'll, the right. Lord will show me an amazing experience I can have with this child. Mm-hmm. I don't have to feel guilt or shame right. that I didn't keep things equal or because it is truly the end of the day when you feel the guilt and the shame, it is looking at the cross going, I know you paid that price for my burden, but I don't truly believe you did a sufficient job with mm-hmm. paying it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to carry some of it on my own because I don't think you're strong enough to carry the full burden. Yeah. Yes. It's making me think what you're sharing. Uh, years ago, I came and sat down in your house, the other house, and yeah. we sat on a park, like a bench. It was like a one of the church pews in the front. Yeah. <laughs> the front right. room. And I told I was struggling with anxiety and that was not my normal mm-hmm. that wasn't a, a common thing for me. And so I didn't really know what to do with it, but I knew grace and I thought, what is going on? I just remember you looking at me real straight. It was a pretty short conversation. It was great. You just said, Leah, if you're feeling anxiety, that means your works focus instead of Jesus focus. And I was like, Oh. And I left and I thought about it. I was like, Okay, Lord and I just looked up. So instead of navel gazing at myself and everything I yes. was doing wrong, yeah. I just looked up at Jesus and I was back to freedom yes. where I'd always been mm. all along, but I didn't this realize one. it because I got hoodwinked. Yes. Back a little condemnation. Yes. Just a little. Just a little is enough to I get was, you all hooked. Somebody this morning I just heard was talking about being corrected, having corrected by the Lord. And I was thinking it's not at all like an earthly correction experience, Mm -hmm. that it truly is a, Mm -hmm. the Lord saying there's a new and better way. Yeah. There's a new and better. Yes. There was no condemnation in our conversation. It was just, yeah, when you focus on yourself, you, it leads to dead end. That's all. So Leah just, I don't even think you said look up. You just said pretty straightforward what I said. And it helped and I'll never forget it. And so when I feel those triggers now, just immediately, there's a uh, reflex. The Lord has taught me to yes. look up. You know, oh, this yeah. doesn't feel right. This is not my, consistent with my new nature. It, it's not producing life and joy and yes. peace, the fruits of the Spirit. So right. I need to look up. I can remember. There's and then I'm new, back. There's a new and better way. Yeah. That was the old way. I don't have to deal with this I love it. Yeah. anxiety or whatever, mm-hmm. depression or 
anything like that. Oh, wait, there's a new and better way. The Lord has a new and better way for me. Well, let let me read uh, from Hebrews 10 about uh, a new and living way. Um, And all of this has to... Let me just back up for just a second. I love Hebrews because it talks about what kind of conscience we need to have, right? Right. Not the guilty conscience that's sin-focused and self-focused and even Satan-focused, right? But the, the consciousness of Jesus and his perfect work in us. And so Hebrews is, is talking about the Hebrew people and the sacrifices that they would make to try to, to atone for sin. And it would cover their sin, but it wouldn't remove it because only the blood of Jesus can permanently remove sin and you know, bring about the new creation. But, uh, the, you know, one of the goals was in these offerings was to cleanse your conscience, to relieve your conscience. Um, and so the other morning I wrote this, if our conscience is cleansed, then we should be free from dead works, as it says in Hebrews nine fourteen. Dead works for them was throwing another lamb on the altar. For us, it's those things that we do in our own efforts to cleanse ourselves and make ourselves right with God apart from Jesus. It isn't always conscious, though. We're, you know, it's these things that we do, we don't even realize we're in a works mentality to try to make it fair for all the kids. Or, right. you know, you're striving, like you feel guilty about something and you're, you're trying to make it right. And... We all fall into dead works when we don't have a perfect conscience before God that's free of guilt. We try to atone for or cover our sin. We put confidence in the flesh to overcome the power of sin instead of putting our confidence in Jesus. And I think this is where the, the strong will can come in. Like, I, I'm just, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to, you know, but even the most strong-willed among us have our breaking point. And like I said, you know, maybe it's not such a bad thing to get to that breaking point and cry out. Mm-hmm. You know, just surrender, let go. But um, unless we get on the grace train, the dead works train will result in shame and condemnation, which is going to lead to more sinning, a cycle of sin. And cycles of sin develop from wrong believing that about who we are because we identify ourselves by our behavior, by our flesh, even by the way we feel, instead of our identity in Christ, it's an identity crisis. You will act like what you believe you are. And in Hebrews 10, um, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation here. Speaking about the Old Covenant sacrifices, it says, even with its steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, There was still nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, then they would cease to be offered, and the worshipers would have had clean consciences. New King James says, no more consciousness of sins. No more consciousness of sins. A Jesus consciousness, right? Instead, once was not enough under the old system. So by the repetitive sacrifices year after year, the worshipers were continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. For what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? 
So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. God's will. You want to know what God's will is? It's this, right? For Jesus to to become our sin sacrifice. To fulfill all that was written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law required them to be offered. And then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So, by being the sin by being the sacrifice that removes the sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. So uh, made holy is the word sanctified. Past tense, perfect Greek tense, meaning one-time action not to be repeated. So we are made holy. Yet, under the old system, every day priests still serve, ritually offering the same sacrifices again and again, repeatedly because they didn't work the first time. Sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. So I think that, you know, we get into that, right? We keep, and I think, like I told my story a minute ago, I kept asking for forgiveness. Kept on, kept on. If I would just confess my sins, then he would be faithful and just to forgive me. So the confession of sins can become the lamb, right? Mm -hmm. The lamb you put on the altar. It's the work you do, the dead work that you do, right? Because it's never cleansing the conscience. You keep on asking, keep on asking. You're asking for something he's already given you. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about John the Baptist, and he's looking. He's like, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. And also thinking about um, to the pure, all things are pure. And so we are pure because of the blood of Jesus. We've been made pure. We're righteous in Christ. Yeah. Therefore, all the playback loops of hurt from the past, all the fears of the future, no, we seek purity. And yeah. Jesus named all of those thoughts and say, no, that is not our destiny. That's right. So as we gaze at Jesus, those things are canceled in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down mm-hmm. on a throne at the right hand of God. Rest. Done. Mm-hmm. Work is finished. Sins have been purged. Waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turned into his footstool. This morning I woke up and I had this picture of Jesus seated at the right hand of God with all his enemies under his feet. Mm-hmm. As it says in Ephesians 1. All the powers are under his feet. Amen. And that's yeah. our reality. Yes. yes. The thing is, I, I didn't see was a floor. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's to the depths, to the depths of darkness and depravity. Every power against us is under his feet. This, I'm just going to say this, kind of goes a little off topic, but 
from the sacrifice of sin. But um, as the body of Christ, I think, as a whole, we've bought into a lot of Christian language things that actually do a lot of damage because it's not truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And one of those is, um, I was at a worship night here recently, and there was a little pause, and the worship leaders started talking about how we just needed to be at the feet of Jesus. And in my spirit immediately, I thought, actually post-cross, what's at the feet of Jesus is the enemy of Jesus mm-hmm. and the That's enemies. Cool. Yeah. And that is actually not my reality, seated at the feet of Jesus. I understood what they were saying is that we would humbly come before the Lord and yes. be you know, in a position and a posture of worshiping him. Yeah. But that is actually not my reality in Jesus. I am seated. I'm hidden in Christ. Mm -hmm. And then as this verse says, who is currently seated at the right hand of God, the father and the work is done. And it does talk about what is at Jesus's feet. And that is not me as a believer. I love it. Right. I'm seeing in this Narnia story, how Evan and Lucy sit on either side of Aslan and they're at the throne and they're crowned. Yes. You know, they're royal priests. Yeah. With the king. Yes. So obviously that is us. Yeah. That's identity. And our identity. That's yeah, our, our identity. citizenship is heaven. We right. are at in him at the right hand of the Father because we're in Jesus. We're in union that can never be separated. Right. Exactly. But when we live our lives thinking we need to live our lives at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear you. That really messes up how you live life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really does bring about the consciousness well, like of followers, sin. you know, followers of Christ. We talk about that too. And while I understand the heart of what's being, I don't know. I, I, I understand it to a degree or more, much more, how much more or than followers I'm in him yes. I'm, right. as he is. That is scandalous language. Yes. yes. And we are not ashamed of the gospel. We are right. in him. Right. Well, and Paul uses things like marriage and mm-hmm. um, adoption mm-hmm. to draw those ties to our union with mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's not a, that's not a follower and a teacher relationship. No. That's a, those are... Paul is painting very intimate pictures of marriage and adoption, and that is the gospel. Those are very intimate relationships, not a right teacher follower. It can feel safe, I think, in Christian circles to talk about that we're adopted sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. It can feel very uncomfortable in the same Christian circles to talk about that we are in union, married. He is my yeah. husband. He is my brother. We're. Mm-hmm. Um, co-heirs to the throne right. because right. of what happened at the cross, not because right. of what I've done, but yes. because he's chosen to bring me into that yeah. level of right. relationship. Yes. Also, this going back to the sacrifice for sin, it really reminds me a lot of growing up. I was always taught, which was funny when we took communion growing up, because there on the altar that was literally embroidered, it said, do this in remembrance of me. But what the very first thing we did was was think of ourselves and our sin. Right. And it literally says uh-huh. in big, bold letters right there, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah, yeah. And then the preacher would say, now think of yourself and your sin. Right. And, I, and get up and go apologize to the person across the church. And that just Weird. is so, I know. And and now 
this reminds me of just taking communion. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm just going to remember Jesus, Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Yes. And it has, I'm not in that equation at all. Yes. And that sacrifice is paid it, for. It, and if take, you don't understand that it, it was done once for all, then you're going you're gonna to actually take the Lord's Supper as a work. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I took the Lord's Supper as a yeah. work. Yeah. And I didn't as a like, dead work. And I didn't like taking the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. because it reminded me of how bad I felt all the time. And I was living under such guilt and condemnation. Mm-hmm. Now I take the Lord's Supper on the drop of a hat in the pantry, in yeah. the kitchen, in the car. As a lifestyle. To remember. Just to remember yeah. in a moment's notice, hey, I'm going to sit here, stand right. here for a minute and I'm just going to remember the finished work of the cross and what you did for me, Jesus. Amen. What are you even taking that to another level that everything we consume, every breath of molecule of oxygen, every sip Amen. of water, every meal, it's communion. It's an experience with Jesus that points us back separated. to the cross. We're never separated. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And by... Th- and by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit confirms this to us by the scripture. For the Lord says, afterwards, I will give this covenant, speaking of the new covenant of grace. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten, fasten my word to their thoughts. I will not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit for us today. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomed us to come right to the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. We're welcome to the holiest place because he has made us holy. And it's that holiness that's undeserved and unmerited that sets us free to enjoy the union and to rest and to walk it out. Mm -hmm. Do you know, speaking of that person, that that young college student, at that time, she, um, even while I was teaching her these wonderful truths, um, she was still in some patterns of sin, that uh, some cycles, that um, she just could not be relieved of that identity, that this is just who she was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that she was kind of trash in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, there became a point where all this grace talk, I guess, began to make her feel unworthy to even meet with me mm-hmm. because the the good news would just mm-hmm. seem to be too good to be true. And it, it actually kind of, there was a point in time where it actually made her feel worse and not better mm-hmm. because her behavior, her behavior wasn't changing. Mm-hmm. And this is why I say grace actually produces the best behavior in us. Um, but we have to come around to the good news first. We have to receive it. And I think she just couldn't receive it. She wasn't ready to receive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so for a couple of months, I could, she wouldn't even answer my, my texts or emails. And um, finally she did, and she agreed to meet. And before we left, I, I felt, I mean, before I left the house, I felt like the Lord said to make her a CD of songs about his love for her. Just put a bunch of songs on a CD. 
all I knew. So I went, and then when I met with her, he said, I want you to ask her if she has done this particular sin, okay? Ask her if she, if this, if she did that. Because I felt like the Lord was telling me what was going on with her and, and why she wasn't, she was not being in communication. And so I asked her, and she denied it. And, he, and the Holy Spirit said, ask her again. Okay, you understand, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. healed. Mm-hmm. So I asked her a second time, and she denied it. He said, ask her a third time. And I said, have you been doing this? And she said, she teared up, yes, I have. And I said, guess what? (laughs) I said, did you know that you were still in the Holy of Holies? That Jesus never left you because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I said, how does that make you feel? And she just bawled. She said, I feel so loved. Mm -hmm. I feel like crying right now thinking about that moment Mm -hmm. where I saw these tears coming out of her eyes. I feel so loved. I said, does that make you feel guilty? Mm -hmm. I said, does that make you want to keep on doing what you're doing? No, it doesn't. And then I gave her the CD, All About the Father's Love. I think that's the message, right? Mm-hmm. It's the woman caught in adultery. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. She's so condemned. She's so sad. She's so embarrassed. She probably wishes mm-hmm. she never really encountered Jesus because she didn't want to see anybody. Yeah. He yeah. told her, okay. You're forgiven. Now go and sin no more. It's the power to sin no more. It's the ministry of no condemnation. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, next verse. I'm almost finished with this. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach without hesitation. Sorry, let me start that over. For he has dedicated a new and living way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, that veil being Jesus' body, was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since now we have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Mm -hmm. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. So I believe this is a time when the gospel has got to be preached clearly. No legalism, but no compromise either. No taking paths of lesser resistance to try to meet them in the middle, Mm -hmm. you know, because you enable a lie as not loving. It's it's not the gospel. Mm -mm. So I I think clearly, I I really feel like the Lord says, you know, just present, present the cross. The cross is the sin, right? 
we don't specific sins. Yeah, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. Confess your need for a savior. Mm-hmm. We pray every you know. Mark and I pray every day. We pray every time you know. We want the the unbeliever to be convicted, convinced in their conscience of their need for a savior, uh, convicted of their unbelief of their need for Jesus, um, their unbelief that, that they're a sinner, <laughs> right? Right. And we want uh, believers to be convicted in their conscience that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And judgment is reserved for the devil, yeah. right, who's under right. our feet. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, as believers, we're free from judgment on Earth, well, in he- in heaven, first was the first revelation I got, and on earth, yes. we're free from the judgment arrows, which goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, where we're free to operate as who we are and do what's important for us on our walk with the Lord, for our family and mm-hmm. friends and our close circle that's, right. that's restful and fruitful and productive. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I do have something I want to read um, I have a couple of prayers that I wrote here that I just read this morning, and I thought these are these are pretty good. I may just read prayers. Yeah, I think do that. You think that's all right? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, we want to have that confession, that agreement with God, saying the same thing as God says. And uh, last year in 2022, uh, one morning, um, I just. You know, I have some big things that I'm believing for, some really big things, and and I I I have to unload the burden on a daily basis. And one morning, I've I've just like the Lord said, just confess what you know. Okay, just confess what you know. Let that be your primer this morning to get to get you pumped to get you ready for whatever you want you want to bring before the throne today. And so this is what I wrote. I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came down from heaven, put on human flesh, took all the sins of all mankind in his body, died on a cross with that sin, was buried and rose again without that sin, ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of God having overcome sin and death. I know that Jesus traded places with me and took what I deserved. I know that Jesus came to save sinners because he loved them, and he saved me. I know that his blood has washed my sins away. I know that his body was broken, that mine might be healed. I know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I know that the righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. I know that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I know that as Jesus is, so am I in this world. I know that God withholds no good thing from the righteous. I know that if God didn't spare his only begotten beloved son, but delivered him up on a cross for me, how will he not with Jesus freely give me all things? I know that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And I know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. 
I know that I can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of of my need. I know that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. I know that if he hears me, whatever I ask, I will receive the requests I've made of him. I know that if I ask anything in the name of Jesus, he will do it. I know that if I ask in the name of Jesus, the Father will do it to glorify the Son. I know that he will hold me fast. I know that he holds me in the palm of his hand. I know that God will satisfy me with a long life and he will show me his salvation. I know that he will renew my youth like the eagle. I know that the best is yet to come. I know that God is good and only good and only has good to give. So, with that said, I'm just going to read a couple of prayers that I wrote about this guilty conscience thing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will convict a generation of unbelievers of their need of a Savior. Will you open the eyes of the blind? Will you unstop the ears of the deaf? Will you untangle the web of deceit that the enemy has convinced them of? Will you unveil Jesus to them? Will you deliver them and save them? Will you bring a tsunami of grace to carry them home into the Father's arms? Will you cleanse their hearts of guilt and condemnation and shame? You are rich in mercy for them. Will you lavish them with your great love and amazing grace? Holy Spirit, I pray that the body of Christ will awaken to the truth that we are children of God whose sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would convict us of the righteousness we have in Jesus. I pray that we will be relieved forever of the guilty conscience that has plagued us. I pray that your love and grace are unveiled to us more and more and peace floods our souls. I pray for the cutting of the ties that have bound us to the baggage of a false identity. I pray for true relief, the true freedom that can only come through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I pray for those kids who are at one time, one time had a simple faith in you, but the world drew them away from the simplicity of the gospel. Will you restore their faith? Restore the years the locusts have eaten. Restore their families. Restore their destinies. Restore the joy of their salvation. In Jesus' name. A Real View is brought to you by Parousia, a ministry devoted to boldly sharing the gospel of God's grace, freely offered to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Visit ParousiaMinistries.com for teachings and testimonies, as well as information on how you can order Trisha Gunn's highly acclaimed book, Unveiling Jesus, a verse-by-verse foundation of the message of grace. This show is made possible by the generous financial support of people like you who love this message of grace. Your tax-deductible gift to Parousia is greatly appreciated.